Well, God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. You can turn in your Bibles to Galatians, the fourth chapter. I am looking forward to sharing what I have to share. I know that we're going to get up. <clears throat> I have to think of uh, an account that that uh, we read of in the New Testament when there were 5,000 people around and Jesus was there, and the disciples were there, and Jesus saw that the people were getting weary and tired, and so he said that the disciples should give the people something to eat, and he said, there's not, they said, there's nothing here. Oh, one of them came up and said, there's a little boy here that has a couple loaves of bread and a few fish, but what is that among so many people, 5,000 people? But where was their faith? It wasn't in, in Jesus. It was in what they thought they had to supply the needs of the people. Completely missed the, the plan of Jesus. Had no idea that Jesus was going to bless them like he did. But when Jesus got the bread and the fish, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, I thank you that you hear me and that you always hear me. And the things multiplied. I'm sorry. I didn't turn this on. The things uh, just didn't multiply without the blessing of the Lord. So that's where we are today. I'm going to read from, from uh, Galatians 4. And I think I'll begin in verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bound, ma bound maid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bound woman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answers to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry, Thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she that has an husband. Now, now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he was that was, but as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so, it is now. Nevertheless, what says the Scripture? Cast out the bound woman and her son, 
For the son of the bound woman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bound woman, but of the free. Now the Bible says here in verse uh, 24 that this is an allegory. How many know what an, what an, what it means to when they sit, talk about an allegory? What is an allegory? Can someone explain that? Okay, Jonathan. Okay. All right. I think that's that's a good. Uh, a good lesson on, on what an allegory is. It's a story of, of some human beings that God uses in the Old Testament and, and uh, to show us something, to reveal something to us. So this morning I would like to look at something. Again, turning our, in our Bibles to First Thessalonians Chapter 5. And in verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God that your spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'd like to ask another question this morning. How many people here understand what he is saying when he says uh, spirit, that God preserved your whole spirit, soul, and body. Do you, how many people understand spirit, soul, and body? Understand what he's talking about. And how many think that they have a spirit, a soul, and a body? Okay, at least, okay, there's quite a number of them that un un understand what the Bible is talking about when he talks about spirit, soul, and body. Well, this morning I uh, am going to preach a message that I have preached before. And I don't know how many will remember that. There's quite a number of people here that were not here when I preached that. But I also understand that some people, I don't think, I say I understand that, but I don't think that people got the message when I talked about this. So I'm going to teach it again and see if you can call to remembrance some of the things that I talked about. I don't know how long ago it was, but I have been reading on this subject and studying it for years. It started way back when we lived in Virginia. I got a book from Watchman Nee. In fact, I got a number of his books. And the one is called, uh, it's a three-volume uh, book, and uh, he talks about the spirit, uh, soul, and, and the body. Now, when he does that, there's one thing I'd like to ask this morning. When, when the Bible talks about the flesh, what is he talking about? What does the New Testament talk about in reference to the flesh? 
that we should not live after the flesh, but after the spirit. The flesh and the spirit are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Now, what kind of flesh is he talking about there? Carnal man? Okay. So it's not talking about the body that you can see. The, the, the body is good. Is, is the body, is our body sinful? It's been touched by sin. Somewhat contaminated. But the body in itself, we can't say that it's sinful. It's what's inside of this body that becomes sinful. It's not what goes into the mouth, but what comes out of the mouth that shows what the person is. The body is only given to show to the world things that reflect something. And that reflection should be the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our body does. It reveals the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, having studied this a while, and as we as adult class are studying the book of Esther, I'm going to tell you something that maybe you've forgotten. I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something this morning that will open your eyes to the book of Esther. And I'm in no way saying that I'm not enjoying the classes that we have. I, I do enjoy them. But I think there's something in here that in all the teachers that I've had said nothing about. Now, I don't know, don't they know anything about this? Or, uh, or what's what? You know, but I, I'm going to tell you what I believe is another thing that we can catch from the book of Esther that is going to make you excited. How many of you know how uh, inconvenient it is to have a car that you, mo that you know mechanically is all right? I mean, you know it runs. You've just had it worked on. You've had it tuned up. It, it was running at one time, but now the tank is empty. And you're starting, you're trying to start this car, and it turns, the starter turns and turns and turns, and finally, you've ground it so much that the battery is dead. It is very frustrating to try to run on an empty tank. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing today. And they come to church and they think that their car or their vehicle or they themselves are going to run on an empty tank. That's why church life, things of God, are dull to some people. They don't get excited about going to church. I mean, if you can sleep over time, Sunday morning. Sunday morning is the time to sleep in for some people. Just sleep in. And if you come to church late, so what? Are those people running on an empty tank? People that are that way? Think about it. 
an empty tank, trying to run on an empty tank. Nothing gives you any enthusiasm. It's just the Christian life, to me, is dull. I mean, there, there's more excitement that I can get in life other than going to church. I mean, I have a lot more fun going to certain places and more excitement than being in church. And Sunday morning especially, it feels good to sleep. I tell you, I can't sleep on Sunday morning. I am so ready to go to church on Sunday morning that I can't hardly wait. Saturday night, I go to bed thinking about what church is going to be like the next morning. This morning, at 2 o'clock, my knees started to hurt, and it hurt so much I couldn't even bend over to uh, straighten it out. I guess I was laying on it or something. I woke my wife and said, straighten my leg up, please. You know, and she did, and uh, I laid there for a while, and it was all right, but it was only 2 o'clock, and I said, do I want to get up at 2 o'clock this morning? And the Lord said, well, you drive truck for Digger, and sometimes when he says you need to leave at 3 o'clock in the morning, you get up at 2 o'clock. So why couldn't you get up for me at 2 o'clock in the morning? I said, I can, and up I got. And I had a good time this morning. If I can do it for someone else, surely we can do it for the Lord. And sometimes we fail to see that. We would do for other people something that we would near do for the Lord. Not near. We wouldn't even think about it. Well, the book of Esther is a very interesting book. It's one of my most loved, loved Old Testament books. And when I got to love this book was when I got to know what some of these uh, characters in uh, the book of Esther reveal. And so I'd like to, to uh, tell you that this morning. I wrote it down so I don't get them mixed up. And uh, I am going to tell you this. It's not that I uh, think I, what I've got to say is, is so very important. But like one person said, now I'm going to preach this morning. Be, be sure to bring your tablet and pencil along and take notes. You know, I, I'm not saying that. But if you want to get that, because I believe that later on you'll want to refer back because you'll forget what I said. And you'll, you'll think, what did he say this means? So if you want to, if you have paper and pencil, please write this down. Because I know that you will want to go back and look at it and see what's what.
the flesh we're going to talk about a little bit. It's, it's the flesh that the Bible talks about. Is it evil? Is the flesh, does, is it controlled by the devil? The flesh that is involved in our life, is that flesh really controlled by the devil? In many lives it is. And it's really, the devil works through the flesh. So nothing infuriates the flesh more than a failure to be, to be recognized. Ooh, isn't that the truth? A failure to be recognized really wakes the flesh up. Because that person didn't give me the recognition that I should have. And Ishmael still mocks Isaac. He's still doing that today. He mocks him. Flesh resists the spirit. The flesh loves to be recognized, consulted, honored, admired, and obeyed. One of the things that the Lord asked me this morning, and I'm going to ask you the same thing. Am I as spiritual as I would like for people to believe that I am? Am I as spiritual as what I would like other people to believe that I am? That's a wake-up call for me. Okay, we've, we've, we've gone through, almost through the book of Esther. And it's kind of late for me to, to say that, you know, but I figure the last couple chapters that we have in the book of Esther, at least you'll be able to look at it maybe in a little bit different way. And I'm not saying that we don't have good discussions. We do. I enjoy that. But there's another way of looking at the book of Esther, Then one of the things that we see here is the king in his palace, Ahasuerus, is the soul of man. The soul is the cushion between the spirit and the flesh, or the spirit and the body. So, whatever the man says, those are the things that are going to happen all around. Whatever the king says, those are the things that are going to happen around his kingdom. Or the 127 states or whatever they had there. So, the king will be the uh, soul of man. Esther is the human spirit of man. Mordecai is a type of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of 127 providences is the human 
body. The human body is that which gives pictures to the outside world as how that the Christian should function and live out his life. Haman. Now God said that he's angry with these people all the time. God, in a sense, can't stand those kind of people that the devil controls. He is at odds with people that, that uh, the devil controls. Now, Haman is what the New Testament calls the flesh. The flesh, Haman. And Haman so many times got mad. The flesh wants you to get mad at things. Sometimes we respond and sometimes we don't. But when someone hits us the wrong way, the flesh really cries out and says, Get that man! Do something to him or her, just like Haman did. I don't like the Holy Spirit. I don't like Mordecai. We're going to get rid of him. We're going to hang him. He'll be gone forever. But the Holy Spirit isn't that easy to get rid of. So, the flesh, it's not the body. It's the perverted principle that Satan uses against God. So the story of Esther begins with the wrong man on the inside. And we want to know how to get the wrong man out and the right man in. Okay? The wrong man out and the right man in. That's what was happening in the book of Esther. And so in our Christian life, that's what we need. When the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us of sin... There's something wrong. There's a wrong man inside of us. So the Holy Spirit has to come in and out goes the old man. He gets on the cross. He's crucified. As far as we are concerned, the old man is dead. Is that right? By faith, the old man is dead. Now, how many of us live that way? Or are we like the disciples said, I don't know how we're going to feed all these people. I mean, that's a huge amount of people. How are we going to feed them? Jesus, no problem. With God, all things are possible. What is impossible with man is possible with God. If you can believe, look at what you have. So I would like to say, in this setting, there's nothing so irritable and unsatisfying as trying to start a car with an empty tank. But there is nothing so exciting as a man that is filled with the Spirit of God. There is nothing in the world that even reaches or measures up to the man of God that believes in God for everything. His faith is in God and God alone. 
and his son, Jesus Christ. Why shouldn't it be that we get all excited when someone like Jesus comes along and forgives us our sins and we become just as if we have never sinned before, never done anything wrong, a pure, clean slate? Why shouldn't we be excited? We should be the most excited people on the face of the earth. No wonder that the people in the book of Esther thought that the Jews were just a people that have a strange law. Diverse from that of the king. They do, they, they do things in an odd way. Do they say that about you and me? They're just a little bit strange in the way that they conduct themselves. Well, so the story begins. Mordecai adopted Esther because her parents died, and so Esther took them in and adopted them. When we are adopted into the family of God, that's what Jesus did. There was an adoption. We got adopted into the family of God. Well, Esther, Mordecai, or let's go back, Esther did everything that Mordecai told her to do. But she had not yet revealed herself to the people that she was Jewish when she came into the king and became the king's wife. But uh, Haman was out there and taking work, working on the outside where Mordecai was. And, and yeah, the, the, the Jews had a different law. In fact, whenever they saw Haman, they were supposed to bow down and kiss the ground in recognition that this man is some big, huge, important person. Mordecai said no. And that, like that, the Holy Spirit doesn't bow to the work of the flesh. Never does the Holy Spirit make any recognition that the flesh is any good. The Holy Spirit will teach us to have nothing to do with the flesh. And so this Haman, he got mad. And he said, this man has got to go. We don't want him around here. He's a strange person. We don't want him around here. And so he went into the king and said, hey, king, there's a certain group of people around here that are, they have strange laws. And if you let these people go, they're not going to be for the best of your interest. You'd better get rid of these people. And I'll tell you what, if you give me the permission, I'll Get rid of all the Jews, all the Christian people around. We'll just get rid of them. Because they, they don't like the king. They don't like your laws. And they do their own things. And so the king, which is the, which is the uh, soul of man, he thought, uh, well, yeah, here, here, this good advice that is coming from the flesh and is telling me what to do. Well, yeah, I can easily do that. See, the soul responds, and when the soul responds that way, the body, it affects the whole body. The body starts working just as the soul tells it to. See, the soul is our emotion. Our, uh, all our feelings go with the soul. And so this man, was, this king was saying, well, yeah, I know Haman. You really want 
what I want. And, and, and Haman, you know what? I, I'm going to take my ring off and put it on your finger and, and you'll be next to the king. You'll be the greatest man here in this kingdom. Oh, Haman thought, that is so nice. It feels so good to be important. I would just like to sit here and just, just drink in that glory. Oh, it's so, so nice. But when he went out and saw that Haman wouldn't bow down to him, he got furious. Why, this old man, why does he act like that? Who does he think he is? Anyhow, I am next to the king. He should be do, give, taking my orders. Mordecai didn't flinch. It didn't bother him. Mordecai, the Holy Spirit, knew what was going on. And so you know the story. He, he went into the king and told him, this, this, um, Haman went into the king and told him, this Mordecai, he's a bad person. We need to get rid of him. We need to get rid of him. And so the king kind of agreed with that. And then Haman went home and told his wife and his friends what is happening, how the king has promoted him. And oh, they thought, you good man, you. You are all right. You know, why, that, that's a good thing that you're doing. And Haman, again, his glory just went to the top of his head. And it's, it just made his, his head swell. I suppose he couldn't even wear the same size hat anymore. You know, he was just. He was just swelling with glory. Well, you know the story that Haman was a poor old man in this kingdom that needed to get out. The flesh needed to get out, and Mordecai was the right man. He needed to get in. But Mordecai had to get in in the process that took place when Mordecai came in. Haman saw that something was happening here. And he didn't like what was happening because he saw that that Mordecai was getting more, starting to get more glory than what he was, and the flesh cannot take that, especially when someone else gets more glory than you do. Oh, that is so hard to take. That is so hard to take. Even in the church, it seems like, when someone is exalted and, and spoken well of, we become jealous, jealous of someone. Else. That shouldn't be. So let's not go there. Let's not go there. If, if the devil tries to get you to do that, tell him, no. No way. I'm not going there. I'm not listening to you, devil. Give him his right name, devil. An evil one is trying to get as many people on his side as he possibly can. And if he can get you, you'll be happy. If he can't, he'll be unhappy and furious and mad, and the harder he'll try. Well, you know the story how it, it ended up, and Mordecai came in. Esther made a feast and had these people come. The king said, okay, Esther, you're here. You're a good woman, and I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. What is it that you want? And she said, well, king, what I would like is another, I'd like to give you another supper tomorrow evening. Ooh, 
that was nice. I'd like to invite you and Haman to come to his supper tomorrow evening. Oh, that was even better. Haman, that guy, his head started to swell up. And he said, why, he went home and he said, we're invited to another feast with Esther. And I, I mean, Esther really likes me. And I am sure, I am sure that if I would have my way and she would have her way, she would have wanted me to be there alone and not even have the king there. Can you imagine someone thinking anything like that? So everything that took place, I don't have time to go into that, but everything that took place, Esther got them together again the next evening. When Esther went into the king the first time, Mordecai told her to go, and Esther said, I, you know I can't do that. I'm not called to go in. I can't do that. Mordecai said, Esther, if you don't, and the Jews are all going to be killed, don't you think for one moment that you're not going to be killed? Don't you think for one moment that your life is going to be spared? Esther said, okay. Okay, I'll go. And if I die, I die. What difference does it make if I die now or if I die later? I'll lay down my life. Lord Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and he knocks at our door and he wants us to open the door. And you know, there's great conviction that comes upon people. We feel miserable just like the king. That night, he couldn't sleep. He was miserable. The soul of man was miserable. And he said, bring the, the books, and I want to read them. And he found out that there were two men that were going to kill him. And Mordecai knew it, and so Mordecai came in and told him about it. And the king said, whatever has been done to Mordecai for his good deeds that he did in telling me about these men that were going to kill me? And the people said, nothing. Nothing at all. This man did all that good stuff and nothing was done for him. About that time he heard someone in the court walking around. He said, who's out there? They said, Haman. They said, he said, invite him in. So invite him in. And the king said, now, Haman, what would you like to do to the, what, what do you think should be done to the man that the king would like to honor? Oh, can you, you can just see those glory bumps going up to his head, you know. And who else would the king have in mind but me? I can't believe he wants to do that. So he told him all the things that should be done. And after he was finished, the king said, Okay, Haman, you do the very things that you said should be done to the king or should be done to this man, you take that, those things, and do it to Mordecai. Oh, he got drained. He got humbled. Oh, how can I do this? A man that I hate like that, I'll have to take out and lead him on a horse across the street and through the streets and say, this is the man that the king delights to honor. Look at this man. Mordecai sitting on the horse. Whew, that was humiliating to say the least. Now, would we rather humble ourselves before God, or do we want God to humble us? That's a good question for us to ask ourselves. Do we want to humble ourselves before him, or do we want him to humble us? Now, 
when we get convicted of our sin, there's many people, the flesh comes along and says, oh, no, wait a minute. You're not as bad as what things seem to be. Just, just calm down a little bit and relax, and things will be, after a couple of days, things will be different. But the Holy Spirit says, now is the time to do something. Now is the time that I want you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. So when the Holy Spirit does that, it is the time. It is the right time for us to receive Jesus Christ into our life. Never say no to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is working in your life, I don't care how young you are or how old you are. Always heed to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life because the time might come that it will be too late for you to do something. So today is the day that we need to do just like Esther. I'm going to give my life over to the Lord. If I die, I die. I'm willing. Lord, I want you to come into my life and save me today. Well, I hope maybe this will give you a little glimpse of what goes on in the book of Esther and how it compares with our life and what it can teach us. Let's pray. God and Father, this morning we come to thee in the name of Jesus Christ. We just want to thank you for the Bible, thy word. We thank you for an allegory and how that you use Old Testament characters to reveal your will. And today, more than ever, we want to surrender our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want the Christian life to be an exciting life. More than anything else, more than things that this world can give us, we want Jesus to be the center of our life, the Holy Spirit to lead us in the right way, into the truth. God, we know that your name is not mentioned in the book of Esther, but as we read through it, we can see the finger of God in every corner. And so we thank you for that and pray that you may continue to bless that book to our lives. We thank you for these people here, and I would pray for everyone that we might all be ready for that glad day that is coming and that we might be able to enjoy the time that we are living in now. Lord, if there's someone in here that is not right with you, might this be the day that they would become right with you through the power of God. Lord, we thank you for this hour. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.